Hi folks, Jason Crane here reminding you about the 100 by 300 campaign. The idea is to get 100 members by the 300th show. Membership is easy. You can do it in one lump sum each year or month to month for as little as 10 bucks a month or $110 a year. If you choose one of the higher levels, particularly the $500 a year or $50 a month level, you'll be mentioned on every single show. You'll be an official sponsor of the Jazz Session. The 100 by 300 campaign, visit thejazzsession.com slash join to become a member today. Once again, that's thejazzsession.com slash join. Welcome to the Jazz Session. I'm Jason Crane. The Jazz Session is presented by AllAboutJazz.com, the web's leading source for jazz news, reviews, MP3 downloads, and more. Speaking of AllAboutJazz.com, if you uh, go to the All About Jazz page, about midway down, you'll see a tab that you can click for the Jazz Session, and it has this uh, nice little scrollable list of recent podcasts, about a dozen or 16 of them. Uh, so you can always go to All About Jazz and uh, right to the center there, and you'll find uh, the podcast. And, you know, while you've got one of those playing, you can fish around All About Jazz for the 87 gazillion reviews and interviews and all that other good stuff that they have over there. Let's see. And since I did that little ad lib thing, I've totally forgotten what I normally say next. I think something like uh, every episode of this show is available for free at thejazzsession.com. And you can also find it in iTunes, and you can subscribe that way. Or you can even subscribe that way, if you can say that word, uh, at uh, iTunes or using an RSS reader, and all those links are at thejazzsession.com. You know, every episode is available for free, and in fact, uh, always will be. Uh, two shows a week, for free, whether or not you become a member, uh, you can feel free to freeload. But if you decide that you would like to get yourself right with the jazz gods, then uh, the easiest way to do that, I think, personally, and Admittedly, I have a small stake in this equation. Is uh, for you to become a member at thejazzsession.com. You can do that for uh, ten bucks a month, twenty-five bucks a month, fifty bucks a month, uh, or one hundred and ten dollars a year, two hundred fifty dollars a year, five hundred dollars a year. At those top two levels, the fifty bucks a month or five hundred dollars a year, you will be mentioned on every single show, so twice a week to uh, thousands of jazz fans. But at whatever level you can give, uh, I would greatly appreciate you becoming a member. I have a goal, as you heard in the opening advertisement of reaching 100 members by the 300th show, and this is show, I don't know, close to 240. So uh, there's about 60 shows left, uh, which puts us to uh, September, but we need to get, you know, a couple few members every single week in order to meet that goal, and it would be great if you would help out by joining. So please do that. Thank you very much. I'm developing a little bit of a relationship with the uh, Richmond, Virginia area, and I, that began at least in a way that I was cognizant of with an interview with uh, Fight the Big Bull, a really great band out of Richmond, Virginia, or as they call it, RVA. Um, and then I was re-listening to my interview with uh, Darius Jones recently to prepare to interview him again um, about a new record that he has out with, with uh, Matt Ship, And I realized that he actually uh, cut his teeth musically in Richmond as well um, when he went to school there. 
And so this cool guy named Dean Christensen emailed me after the uh, Fight the Big Bull interview. I think this is how it happened. But certainly Dean is the is the cause of today's show. And he said, uh, you know, there's other people here you should be familiar with. And one is this great brass band, uh, No BS Brass. And I think Dean emailed me about them because he knows I'm a fan of brass band music from New Orleans. So I said, sure, and uh, got in touch with them. They sent me a record, or actually I think Dean sent me a record. And uh, then he hooked me up with Reggie Pace, uh, one of the founders of the band who you're going to hear from today. And actually, uh, Dean has since suggested uh, some other people, some of whom Reggie mentions in this interview. And it seems like there's really just quite a music scene going on in Richmond, Virginia, which uh, if if you are as uh, parochial as I am, and you're probably not, but if you are, uh, you probably don't know anything about Richmond, Virginia. Never thought when you think jazz, no one says, yeah, well, there's, you know, there's New York City and there's Chicago and there's Richmond, Virginia. So it seems like there's a lot of cool stuff happening there, and uh, certainly one of the cool things that's happening is this band, No BS Brass. They have a uh, a new record, their third, if I've got my math right, uh, called No BS, and it opens with this tune called Brass Scene Kids. <laughs> My guest is Reggie Pace. He plays trombone in the band No BS Brass, and their third album came out at the end of last year called No BS. And Reggie, it's great to have you on the show. Thanks for being here. Hey, thanks for having me, man. So, uh, you know, it's a, it's a brass band record that's not like a lot of other brass band records, and one of the ways in which it's unlike other brass band records is it wasn't recorded in New Orleans. Can you tell folks about uh, where you're from and, and how this band came to exist in that place? Uh, sure. Yeah, we're from uh, we're from Richmond, Virginia, um, and the band came to exist. Uh, a bunch of horn players live in Richmond, uh, and we're have like a little scene that we have bubbling right now with a bunch of different bands that are catching on. So 
I essentially, I wanted, at first, an all-trombone band. I really liked that sound, and then we expanded, me and the other founder, Lance, the drummer, uh, expanded it to, like, brass band um, instrumentation. Cause he's, from, he's from New Orleans. He lived in New Orleans for a while. But I didn't want to do a second-line brass band thing because I didn't think it was possible to do that better than they do it in New Orleans. So I was like, why bother? Let's just come up with something new. So that was that was the goal. And so we wrote all uh, original material, kind of based off of like our experiences living in the city, and then our experiences in at music school and stuff like that, and then jazz influence and rock influence. That that was that was my goal. Now the only, as far as I know, the only other Richmond-based band that I've had on the show is Fight the Big Bull, and um, I talked a little bit about the Richmond scene then. But can you give me your impression of of what it's like? I know this this band is is pretty popular and successful. What's the scene been like uh, for you? Are you from there originally? Uh, I guess I should. Uh, I'm from Chicago originally. Okay, but I moved. Uh, my my father's in the military, so we moved to Virginia. And I've been here for my, my, most of my life. Okay, and yeah, I would say the scene is it's really healthy. There's lots of bands. Um, um, it's at the point that a lot of my students and things have started to make bands, and it's a thriving young jazz scene, and it's like a thriving young rock and punk scene, also. And yeah, Fight the Big Bull, uh, the, brass, the brass band and Fight the Big Bull and Glows in the Dark, we all started at the same time. It's a lot of the same people, you know, uh, with different writers. Like, I write for the brass band, and the drummer writes for the brass band, and then Matt writes for Fight the Big Bull, and me, and one of guys that subs Trump is in the brass band and uh, and one of our trombone players are in Fight the Big Bull and I'm in Glows in the Dark and another one of the saxophone players from Fight the Big Bulls and Glows in the Dark. It's just how we do it. It's like a group of friends that started to just create art together and like since luckily our group of friends are so many there's like so many different instruments based on our group of friends that we can create something with like any kind of instrumentation that we could possibly think of yeah that sounds great it sounds like there must be a lot of kind of cross-fertilization among the bands and idea sharing and all that yeah absolutely 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 but you know everyone has their own voice and everyone has like really strong personalities so it's really great that this group of people we, we go head first into whatever that person's vision is like Fight the Big Bull doesn't sound anything like No BS Brass, but even though a lot of the similar people, because we like to go head first into Matt's vision and vice versa. Talk a little bit about when uh, when you were starting up the band, uh, I guess you and Lance, and even though you aren't doing a second-line brass band, um, I'm guessing there was at least some kind of either research or, you know, arranging research involved in figuring out how to use the instrumentation of a brass band, even if you were going to use it in a different way, and if that's not correct. Correct? <laughs> um, yeah, kind of. I've definitely listened to... Um, brass bands that have made it happen, you know, the Treme brass band and uh, Rebirth and those things when I was in high school and early in college. And I like that sound also, but what I tried to do 
was instead of it being like the trombone's job is this and the trumpet's got job is to hold the melody and then uh you know the clarinet players plays over top of that as in like kind of new orleans kind of does it how we did it was we have 10 people and we kind of just put all right we're going to be like 10 fingers on a piano and that's that's kind of that's how we did it so like our trombone section provides like big chords and then our our trumpet section is melodic but choral in that sense too kind of like almost how a, a big band functions almost but with the funkier vibe from the beginning like the roots of it's not in big band tradition but i would say some of our voicings and things are, are coming from that tradition and uh coming from uh, a rock and roll tradition also Yeah, two things when I first listened to this album uh, that I was instantly reminded of, not in a derivative way, because there's no way you could be derivative of either of these things. But one is that about 20 years ago, um, when I was in college, slightly more now, but we'll just call it 20, um, there was a there was a really great band at my college that performed all heavy metal tunes, but with a like Chicago-style horn band lineup. And they were brilliant. The horn players were amazing, and they would do all these, you know, things that had been like two guitar frontline, just shredding riffs, but they would do them with trumpet and trombone, which was brilliant. And then uh, when I lived in Japan about a decade ago, there was a band called Hot Hip Trampoline School, which, in addition oh. to having a really great name, um, was That's an incredible was, name. Yeah, it's a really, really good name. Um, they also did this kind of thing where they were very funk influenced, very like '70s rock influenced brass band. Um, that well, I think with an electric guitar, that was one major thing. That was one major instrumentation difference between you. And I've always thought that idea needed to be explored more. That more people needed to take that kind of big brass heavy instrumentation and find out what else could be done with it. And it sounds like that's that's something you guys are really pursuing because there's a lot of different musical variation on this record. Oh, I would agree with that, and I really I'm glad you said that. It gives me some homework to do. I'm gonna go check out that band when I figure when I'm yeah after this is over. But yeah, exactly, man. That's exactly where we were coming from. Because uh, this instrumentation is fun, and it's, it's, and it's, it's the type of sound that people can relate to. It, it takes them back to their childhood, 
you know, it's like, oh, I remember when I played clarinet for two years in high school, I, it was great. Or, you know, we bring we, we bring people back to that. And that's the other, that was the other vision for this band uh, in the jazz. Jazz had kind of got gotten away from being people's music, in my opinion, in my opinion, you know. So uh, I wanted to make sure what we did, even with our intellectual side uh, and our chordal side and you know, lush backgrounds and things just to, like, make sure it was still danceable and uh, still something that people could just could party to. Um, so, and I think that heavy metal thing, heavy metal has always been that, something that it was, like, specifically for people to party to, and that's why they were writing it, and they were writing it for people. Um, and that's, you're right, and I took, I took that, and, and especially Lance. Lance is a big, really, really big on that. That heavy metal aesthetic, which is with his drum sound and like with the tunes that he writes, is like big old power chords and stuff like that. Yeah, talk about the kind of venues where you guys play. Um, you know, keeping that and everything that you just said in mind. Oh, um, we played. We've played uh, jazz venues. We've played um, uh, swankier, like indie rock and jazz venues. We've played, you know, like both Joe's Pub in uh, New York and stuff like that. We've played. Hippie festivals like uh, Camp Barefoots and things of that nature with a bunch of jam bands. Uh, we've been on bills at heavy metal fests and like the Gainesville Fest where there's almost pretty much all metal bands and then there was us. <laughs> That's great. Um, but we, we fit in just fine. This is like, we, I like, we like played on the fact that it was, we're an all metal band. That's right. Brass bands are like the original metal bands. <laughs> That's right. The first metal band. We're like the acoustic metal band. So, and those crowds, those crowds were with us because we, I think, I think we exude a similar energy, um, of just like power and like just trying to connect with someone's heart, you know. So yeah, that's we play in all kinds of venues, man. Really tiny venues. Uh, I think it's just we've stumbled upon something that people can just relate to in a, in a really cool way. Will you talk about the role of humor in your music? Oh uh, sure. Uh, I would say the role of humor in our music is 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 deep because everybody in our band is has very different personalities, and we spend the majority of our time making fun of one another when we're together. Uh, and we're just like a, a tiny a tiny little country of people that just and that's I think it comes out in our music. Our uh, trombone section is really flamboyant, you know. Our solo sections are like. All right, man. We're playing this 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 rock. We're gonna play this Agent Orange cover, which is an '80s punk band, and uh, bring that sound to a trombone solo the best you can. And that's what we do. And like, there's a certain amount of like, it's pretty whimsical, you know. I think. And tunes like Con are just over the top. Here's the metal. Here's like hair metal glam days, and here's like dark rock right here, and here's hip hop right here. It's just all of the things that we love so much. And you know, there's a certain amount of uh, happiness and like and laughter that happens when you really connect with what you're doing, connect with your audience, and connect with one another as a group of people.
Yeah, one of the things I think contributes to, to that spirit and that sound um, is someone either singing through a megaphone or maybe it's effects that are recreating that effect on on several of these tunes, which I really love. It just gives it this kind of like you just encountered this at a big street festival feel or something. Absolutely. That's, it is a megaphone, actually. It's not an effect. Cool, <laughs> um, that's and actually we do, and if Our live shows are that, or a megaphone, and then we play outside a lot, and we have tunes with vocals. So megaphones made sense, and we really dislike that tune, like the, that, that uh, timbre, I mean, uh, with the megaphone. Uh, and I thought it was something interesting, and it was something, you know, we've heard before, like the Beastie Boys have like a megaphone kind of sound when they're doing their thing. It's just a really cool thing, I think. Can you talk about, uh, this is now the, the band's third record, uh, what kind of evolution have you seen uh, either in yourself as a writer or an arranger or, or in the band uh, and the way it operates over those three records? Oh, wow. I would say a ton. Our first record is really stripped down and bare. Our drummer was only playing a snare drum and a bass drum and one cymbal and hi-hat. And we were like trying to figure out what it was we were trying to say as a group of people and deal with our instrumentation. The second record was a huge development in that scene in which we kind of, we figured out, oh, okay, this chord thing is something that's new. What This is a thing that we don't hear brass bands do, and this is a thing that we don't hear brass bands do, and this is a, a groove that you don't hear this type of groove uh, being played uh, in, in this kind of group. And this is a groove that you don't hear in a jazz situation, and then we'll put jazz elements on it like our soloists have like a jazz element definitely in their in their soul and the third record it was like oh okay I think we figured out how the band's supposed to sound now <laughs> and I think this record sounds like the, the band has always sounded in me and Lance's head and now we I think we've got the formula and I'm really excited to start writing the next album because uh, I think that's will really really understand what our what our voice is now i think our, our voice comes through best in this, in this most recent album have you seen a progression in your own writing and arranging chops as you've been working through this over the last three records oh absolutely i figured you figure out um what stuff we need to get rid of uh figure out um the roles and like how things fit better like trumpets sound better doing this rhythmic thing than they do this chordal thing and vice versa with the bones I would say a huge 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 uh, growth in my in my particular in my writing and definitely in Lance's Lance became a lot more his output grew a lot between like the first and second and third album he was just writing a lot of songs and we just figured out how to make just songs as a group of dudes and then expand them fit our instrumentation without having changed it being a song well, the first thing you said there was figuring out what to get rid of. Will you say more about that? Oh, sure. Um, I would say when we were first starting, it was like, um, well, should these sections be really long? And should we jam? Like, have longer jam sessions in, in our pieces? And I thought that, that that didn't work as well when I listened back to the older stuff. So as a group, we like tightened up those kinds of sections. They were like, well, how many solos should be in a song? And then, like, who should be doing what when a solo is happening? And we're like, okay, well, let's figure that out. And then we're like, well, trombones sound great. And a trumpet solo is happening, and then this happens. Oh, okay, great. So no trumpet solo, trumpet solo. Like, very things that you would think, they're just like, oh, yeah, duh, in your compositional 
in your compositional growth, but when you actually hear it, it makes it like it's a, it's a what's the word I'm looking for? I don't know. It, when you actually hear something as opposed to just being an idea in your head, you can really hear what it was that you that's wrong with it and what it is that you like about it. And then we figured out the way to write all of just the stuff that we really, really like and then mush all that stuff together <laughs> instead of having something that was, oh, I like this part, I like that part, no, I like this part that much, but it's a build-up to this section. And I was like, oh, let's cut that whole thing out that I don't like as much. So yeah, so now our tunes may have only one solo in them, and the solo section is its, in its own enclosed thing. That's a no BS trick uh, of, of solo sections. And like, if this song has two solos, do these two solos will be short, or they'll be together. Tons of little stuff, like a lot of little stuff. And then being able to expand, as we grew as a group, to be able to expand to a lot more sophisticated chord things, and like being able to tune chords with lots of extensions and, and stay funky. Not just P major seven chord, and it's not funky like jazz big band chord or something. You know, make sure it didn't get too brainy. That was another thing. Taking things that we would write stuff that would get really nerdy in rehearsal, and they're like, "Oh yeah, look at all this, look at all that," and we'll listen to it and we're like, "Ah, uh, I think we've lost sight of our goal here," and then whittle it down to just like the things that we really want to hear. When it, when you hear your favorite song, does it have a billion sections in it? Or when you hear your favorite song. Does it sound like this? Does it sound like that? How does it make you feel? And then we try to recreate those things. I remember uh, I, before I was in, in radio and uh, doing interviews, I was a saxophone player, and the very first professional gig I ever had was with a salsa band, and um, my role was mainly to play the solos, and I played the first solo, the first tune, the first night, and you know was trying to throw in everything that I thought I could play, and uh, the band leader called me over after the first set, and he said, nobody came here tonight to hear all the notes that you could play. And that, which was a really good good thing to remember because there's a place to play all the notes that you can play, but it's not necessarily Absolutely. when you're in a salsa dance band or when you're in, you know, No BS Brass. There's Absolutely. a different yeah. yeah, because it's not the focus. It's not. You know, if you were if you were in your saxophone trio playing Joe Henderson's tunes, then it's saxophone time. 
know, show, show your stuff and, you know, explore that. But that's just not how it works. That's not in the style. You know, you wouldn't take a, wouldn't take a extended trombone solo over a Sousa march. Right. Or, you know, like, it, to me, it's just, it's just that obvious, that obvious to me. But yeah, that's ridiculous. And you're, and I'm like, yeah, that's ridiculous too. It's not about showboating. It's about, you know, you make a statement over this and we're a group all the time, you know. If you want to take an extended trombone solo over a Sousa march, I think you had to join Lester Bowie's band. That was the... That's right. <laughs> that was the trick, right? <laughs> what, um, when you talk about what is the role of improv in a, in a no BS tune? Oh, I think the role of improv is, is to show each each person's... It's like the moments in which we show each person's personality. You know, we don't... Um, our, our bass trombone player, Red, Reggie Chapman, he, he's a great writer also, and he's very good at writing things that one of our trumpet players, Marcus, Marcus Tenney, he's amazing over that. And we're just like, okay, well, this right here is the best place for Marcus to show his personality. And then I'll have something that's like frenetic and wild and like, well, that's a great place for me to show my personality on bones. Or we have like heavy metal searing sound of like, well, that's a great place for Brian to show his personality. And then we have a hip hop tune that's dark and like Dr. Dreish. Like, that's a great place for David, our saxophone player, to show his personality. And, you know, we have a seat apart that seems like glam rock or something. And I'm like, that's a great place to be mad if called not glam rap, but to say rock. <laughs> so, uh, great place for our, our drummer to share his personality and he like stands sits up there and does like the extended drum solo sound like I feel like we're in an arena rock or something like we're ACDC or something <laughs> that's great <laughs> yeah so uh, yeah. yeah keeping in mind that this um, show will come out uh, on or around the 14th I, I forgot to look up the date before we uh, started the interview but are there some upcoming uh, gigs you want to mention let's say uh, our new website will be up uh, pretty soon around that time. Okay. And that's, that's nobsbrass.com. And you can check us out on Tumblr and Facebook and uh, Twitter at nobsbrass. Uh, let's just, I'll just plug that stuff. Okay, sounds that's good. And I'll really put really uh, I'll put links to those things in the show notes for this show so folks can just go to thejazzsession.com and there'll be links so you can follow no, no BS Brass. Uh, Reggie, is there anything I didn't ask you about that you want to mention? Um, I would like to mention, well, I'd like to mention, I guess I'd like to mention that Richmond, Virginia, that's where we're coming from, and that's where a lot of artists are being made right now, and I can't wait for the rest of the world to hear it, we're on our way. Um, I would like to talk, and there's lots of great bands coming out, I don't know if we can give shout out to, to bands. Yeah, right feel, feel free, man, that'd be great. All right, well, Fight the Big Bull, that's the group that I'm in, and I'll do the ones I'm in first. Fight the Big Bull, Close in the Dark. Trio of Justice. Uh, we just finished our recent album. UTV Chamber was one uh, has other members of No BS Brass in it, and they just finished their their first album. Um, and there's tons more. Just like look us up on social medias and like see who our friends are, and we'll make you friends with other Richmond bands. That sounds great, man. Well, my guest is uh, is Reggie Pace. Uh, he's one of the people behind No BS Brass. Their third album, No BS, is out now, and you can go to the show notes at jazzsession.com to learn how to get your copy. Uh, Reggie, it's been great to talk to you. Really fun to listen to this record, and uh, wish you all the best, and I hope we'll get a chance to talk again. Yeah, man. Thanks, Jason. Mm-hmm. 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 Mm-
is music from No BS Brass. My thanks to Reggie Pace from the band for uh, being on the show today. The album, by the way, is called No BS. This is the Jazz Session. I'm Jason Crane. It's probably the first show that hasn't uh, that has an explicit No BS tag. Because I would have to say that at least my contribution to most of the other shows has a lot of BS in it. Uh, this is the Jazz Session, sponsored by AllAboutJazz.com. I should say presented by. It's not sponsored by AllAboutJazz.com. Uh, presented by AllAboutJazz.com, the web's leading source for jazz news and reviews and MP3 downloads and all kinds of cool jazzy stuff. Uh, speaking of sponsoring, the show is in fact only sponsored by you. So uh, please do become a member at thejazzsession.com slash join. Uh, that would be just really wonderful for me if uh, you would become a member of the show and help keep this thing going. I could uh, really use your help. Thanks. Speaking of people to thank, the Respect Sextet did the theme to this program. You can find them at respectsextet.com, and they're on Twitter and Facebook, and they've got lots of great records, and you should buy them all. And also Dave Rabel designed the show's logo, and he tweets uh, very hilariously at twitter.com slash Rabel V-R-A-B-E-L. Get out there if you would and support live jazz whenever and wherever you can, and then come back next time for another conversation about jazz on the Jazz Session. Hit it, Red. Bye. Bye.